You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony. David Rode is the winner of two Pulitzer Prizes in journalism, the first in 1996 for uncovering the Srebrenica massacre in Bosnia for the Christian Science Monitor, and the second in 2009 as part of the New York Times team covering Afghanistan and Pakistan. He's currently a reporter for the New York Times. He's the author of Endgame, The Betrayal and Fall of Srebrenica. Kristen Mulvihill has been a fashion and photography editor at women's magazines, including Marie Claire Self. She was the photography director for Cosmopolitan magazine. Their new book is A Rope and a Prayer, A Kidnapping from Two Sides. Thank you for joining me, David and Kristen. Thank you for having us. Thank you. You know, one of the things that strikes me about this book is it's an incredible, it is an incredible adventure and, and uh, harrowing as, as well. But at the people who wrote the book were not the same people who lived through the events. And you're recreating yourself as characters. So I'd like you to, uh, let's start with David. Tell us a little bit about what happened at the beginning of the book that sets the whole book in motion and how you put yourself in the mind of the man who made the decisions that set the book in motion. Well, I had um, decided I needed to do a Taliban interview to try to understand basically why we were losing the war in Afghanistan. Um, the population seemed to have shifted over to supporting the Taliban, um, and this Taliban commander had done um, interviews with two other foreign journalists. Um, I spoke with one of those journalists. They they felt it would be safe to speak to him, and I thought I could use him as a character in my book um, to explain the sort of Taliban resurgence. Now, uh once you made that decision, uh, it proved to be not quite so safe as you thought it was, did, was it? No, it turned out to be a trap. Um, he had been sort of uh, meeting with these other foreign journalists, I think, to create a, a degree of trust. And then when the right sort of prize came along, he would kidnap them. And unfortunately, that, that prize was me. And it put my, my wife and my family in an incredibly difficult position. Mm, Kristen, uh, I'd like you to talk about um, now... You're back with David. Yes. You've been married for you know a couple of years now. Uh, everything is stable and, and safe. But put yourself back into the position of the woman who'd been married for two months and gets a phone call in the right. middle of the night. That that must have been a difficult uh, not to ju- not just to experience but to re-experience and to create prose. Yes, and we had been married as you said only two months at the time. Um, so getting that phone call from my brother-in-law, my brother-in-law Lee alerted me to the fact that David had been kidnapped. Um, my first thought was, you know, we just took a vow for better or worse, and I didn't think worse would happen quite so soon. Um, and in those early moments, I was, you know, uh, terrified, but also somewhat numb, just with the realization that everything I'd, I'd sort of feared about David traveling to the region um, it had come true, like the worst moment was happening. And... Um, in retrospect, when I look back now, you know, writing the book, uh, the toughest part for me was was reliving and listening to some of our phone conversations. Um, I had recorded all my calls with David um, and with his captors who also called me. Um, and so that was the toughest thing to, to relive. Um, and also, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. When I look back, I, I really 
in the course of writing the book, felt that, wow, we were in such a difficult situation. Um, I couldn't fully take that in while I was experiencing it, or I would have been immobilized, you know, by fear. Um, During the experience, I was just so angry that they'd kidnapped him that that kind of propelled me forwards and, and kept me going, and I wanted to feel proactive um, and uh, in, in reviewing the story for the book, um, you know, the, the emotions came up more sort of the second time around when it was safe to feel them because he was home and I knew we had a happy ending. David, this wasn't the first time that you'd had an experience being detained for your news writing work. So talk a little bit about your experience in uh, Bosnia. Um, it's true. In Bosnia, I was uh, detained, but it was only for 10 days. Um, by Bosnian Serb forces after I had found uh, mass graves where uh, Bosnian Serbs had uh, buried the bodies of Bosnian Muslim men that they had lined up and executed around the town of Srebrenica. Um, In the end, it was found that um, up to 8,000 Bosnian Muslims were killed in mass executions around the town. The sad thing um, about that captivity versus this one is that I think journalists have sort of lost a lot of the neutrality they enjoyed. Um, I was basically told that I was an American citizen, and therefore um, it was fair to kidnap me. Um, I kept saying I was a neutral journalist. Um, I kept saying, you know, I even frankly told the Taliban that I had helped expose these atrocities against Muslims in Bosnia, and it didn't matter to them. They, they, their reaction was, well, that means you're worth more money. You know, it's so interesting. Uh, your The way you had prepared for this interview, there's a whole technology, I think, and a whole uh, kind of series of preparations you made for this. You cleared out your cell phone. Talk about that. And, you know, your thought was, your hope was, was that none of this would be necessary. Yeah, I I was really hopeful it would go well, and it was actually supposed to be just a simple one-hour interview very early in the morning um, of November 10th, 2008. I did empty my cell phone out. Um, I left a note for my wife. Um, I left a note for a friend of mine um, at the New York Times Bureau, um, and, uh, you know, I sent her the name and, and the phone number of this Taliban commander we were meeting, and, uh, and again, I'd met, you know, another journalist the previous night who had also interviewed this Taliban commander, and, um, you know, none of it mattered in the end. I mean, if, you know, you are vulnerable in these situations, and, um, you know, he chose to abduct us. Uh, Kristen, you know, one of the things that you had uh, talk about, which is, again, almost a counterpart uh, to what uh, David was just talking about in terms yeah. of preparing, was this kind of kidnapping uh, etiquette and technology that you had to learn from, right. from the FBI. Yes, the FBI trained me how to take calls from the captors. Um, early on in the case, I would say about a day or two into it, I met with FBI officials in New York. They came to the apartment and told me a call might be be forthcoming. And um, basically, we went over scripts, and we did sort of Q&A sessions where they pretended to be the kidnappers. Um, And my goal, I was told, on the phone was to drag out the phone call in case the call could be traced. Um, Also, you know, to be deferential, but also let the kidnappers know we would try to work with them without making any any firm commitment. (laughs) Um, And then also to see if they would put my husband on the phone which none of us thought would happen, um, but ironically, um, the first call I received was from David um, and not his captors. You know, David, one of the things that's uh, so striking about this book, and we see this again and again, are is your ability to immerse yourself in 
the emotions of being captured. And your emotions when you uh, actually heard your uh, wife's voice are really powerful. Yeah, it was extraordinary. Um, we also, we, we talked on the phone, and she sounded incredibly calm, and, and that really kind of helped sustain me. Um, uh, she was just very, very strong. And then that theme was continued in a letter. We were able to exchange one letter um, each through the International Red Cross. And Kristen said in that letter, you know, you must be strong because I am strong. And the extraordinary thing about this was that we were, after only a week, sort of ferried from Afghanistan into Pakistan and taken into this Taliban mini-state that exists today in the tribal areas of Pakistan. And, you know, the reason we wrote this book was to sort of expose what is happening in Pakistan today um, you know, I wrote about my kidnapping a year ago in the New York Times, and nothing has changed. The Pakistani military has still not confronted the Taliban, and this Taliban mini-state continues to exist. The Times Square bomber, Fadl Shahzad, whose, whose truck bomb failed to go off, he was trained in the tribal areas. He was trained in the exact same area where I was held hostage. You know, what? what's striking, too, of course, is the sense of history in here. Uh, the uh, Your pocket history of Afghanistan is just astonishing. <laughs> we just wonder what what were they thinking? Well, it's, you know, it's a tragic place, and I, I feel, you know, again, a reason to write this book was to kind of humanize this distant war. Um, for American soldiers, you know, it's sort of a compartmentalized war. Many people don't experience in their in their daily life in the United States. It's very difficult for them and their families. And there's many average Afghans and Pakistanis suffering at the hands of the Taliban. And, you know, the Taliban are really delusional. They're, they're deeply um, fundamentalist. Uh, they believe all these conspiracy theories. And they're also very brutal to average Afghans and Pakistanis. And, and we were really hoping to, to, again, humanize this conflict and, and show the, through one story, our story, show the suffering that many, many more people are enduring. Uh, Kristen, could you talk just a little bit about your experience of Afghanistan remaining in the U.S.? I mean, you you had more of an uh, intense connection to Afghanistan than maybe some of the people who were there. Yes, I mean, I should preface it in that I've, I've never actually been to Afghanistan, um, and my experience of Afghanistan, you know, was the kidnapping, <laughs> so it was pretty extreme. Um, but what what I could tell is, you know, we had we had two men on the ground in Kabul um, that were supposed to be our call center, you know, for the kidnappers to call um, with updates about David or to negotiate, and, and very early on, the kidnappers actually stopped calling the center, um, but they would send emissaries out to to meet with these gentlemen. And um, we had a lot of people in Afghanistan coming forward with information. Some of it well intentioned, but most of it was false. Um, and I guess through this experience, I really kind of felt that um, it seemed to me the situation on the ground was so desperate um, that kidnapping could even be an industry. And there was a sense that everybody there was just sort of trying to survive. Um, They would sell information. Um, It was really a matter of just getting what they could moment to moment. And um, as I said, I don't even think it's ill-intentioned. I think um, the situation over there uh, for the average person is pretty bleak, Um, and that played out in our case. Um, the other thing, too, is I, I dealt with some of David's colleagues at the New York Times who were based in Kabul, um, and I will say they had a tremendous understanding, um, both David's Afghan colleagues and the, um, and the foreign correspondents from the United States and elsewhere. They had a real understanding of, of the local culture. 
um, and that was tremendously helpful. They did several outreaches to try to get more information about David, about his kidnappers, and I felt that they actually, you know, had um, tremendous access uh, to information that we wouldn't have had otherwise. Um, and, uh, and and his Afghan colleagues, you know, were, um, you know, upstanding people. Um, they were available to me at all hours to translate. If I had letters I wanted to try to send in to David, um, I had some strange communications in foreign languages that came through to me, and they were always available to sort of sift through that. So I think um, his Afghan colleagues, I'd like to think, represent, um, you know, the real Afghanistan and, and why we're there. Um, and what we're fighting for. I've been speaking with David Rode and Kristen Mulvihill. Their new book is A Rope and a Prayer, A Kidnapping from Two Sides. Thank you for speaking with me, David and Kristen. Thank you. Thank you so much. You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony.